You're listening to the Rob Review Podcast. Evan Rob and Laura Rob share their thoughts and opinions on teaching, learning, and leadership. And now, the Rob Review Podcast with Evan and Laura. This is Evan Rob, and I am joined today with Laura Rob. This is the Rob Review Podcast. Welcome, Laura. It's a pleasure to be here again with you, Evan, as always. Uh, very much excited to uh, do this podcast today, Laura. This is part two of Never Ask Students to Do These Things. We did receive some really good feedback after the first podcast, so excited that we could get together again and share a couple more things that are on our list. But as you always remind me, when we do a podcast, I have to share a little story Absolutely. Uh, about my fabulous, fabulous, incredible schooling experiences when I was growing up. Um, so one of the things that I'm going to be talking about in this podcast is that teachers should not ignore when students, you know, appear like they are receiving peer pressure. Um, and when I was a little guy, I used to get a lot of peer pressure from uh, the fact that I was a little bit overweight. And um, yeah, I'm going to date myself with some of the listeners to the podcast here, but I, I dressed a little bit like I was on the Bay City Rollers. I had a lot of plaid going on, and it wasn't connect. It wasn't wasn't balanced really well. But mom, it was the early 70s, so don't feel bad. A lot of people dress that way. But when I was five foot two and 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 rather large, it just didn't work well at that time. But I received a lot of peer pressure from, te- from students, did not get a lot of support from teachers, was basically told to suck it up, um, or had a few teachers who used to laugh and join in also, which was um, particularly annoying. Um, but let's hope that no one has to experience those kinds of things. So, Laura, I know you've been thinking about some ideas that you're going to share with our podcast today. Again, these are things that we never want to ask students to do. Laura, you're number one. Okay. My number one is meaningless work. We ask kids to do things like copy definitions from a textbook into their notebook or copy um, a list of terms from the board into their notebook. What is the point of copying? It has nothing to do with thinking. If it's in your textbook, why do you have to copy it in your notebook? You have your textbook. Uh, It's totally meaningless. The other thing I see teachers do is they will give vocabulary words um, on the board for a selection that the students are going to read. And they, before they even read the selection or know the context those words appear in, they tell them to look them up in a dictionary. Well, I I remember as a child getting that kind of assignment. And you know what what a good a good learner does? They look for the shortest definition and they write that. Or if they're in a hurry and they want to get it over with, they write the first one. You know, words in the dictionary sometimes have five, six, seven, eight different definitions. It's a meaningless task because the child will pick a definition that might have nothing to do with the way the word is used in a text. Laura, I know that whenever we do our podcast, you always want me to share at least one idea from uh, my great experiences when I was in school, but I need to ask you now. I'd like to share another one. Can, can I give oh, one more out today? As many as okay, you want. Okay, because meaningless work is very inspirational to me when I think back to my experiences as a student. So I was in high school, and I had a teacher who every week would give 100 vocabulary words, and I had to define each one of the words, and I had to memorize them, And then every Friday we would come in and he would randomly pick five. That would be our test grade. And knowing the student I was, you know, I never picked the right five when I was putting my efforts into my studying. So even though I had pretty good understanding of most of the words, I would, um, with amazing consistently, miss the five that the teacher tend to pull. 
that was meaningless work, but it was under the umbrella of something that that particular teacher absolutely thought was rigor. Yes, you just took the word right out of my mouth. And I know the teacher because I've had many students who have gone through that assignment, did not change all of his uh, teaching life. And uh, what happens is when we memorize words, you lose the word anyway. You know, if you took the test Friday by Monday, most of the words you looked up were gone because they were totally out of context. And they had no, you had no stories to, to attach to them. They weren't words you were using all the time. Again, meaningless work. Absolutely. So my, the first one that I'd like to share is what I began the podcast with, which is teachers should not ignore when they see students receiving peer pressure. You know, sometimes people can come into a job in the classroom and feel like their job is to teach students and to work on the academics, work on the curriculum. Um, but students have emotional needs also, and forging good relationships is challenging for students as they move um, as they move through school at, at all grade levels. So it's important that teachers are aware and not only establishing those good relationships with kids, but establishing good communication, open communication with students. That if students need support, they have someone that they can go to. Um, and it may or may not be the teacher, but certainly the teacher can connect the student with maybe another teacher they have a good connection with, or with guidance staff, or, or with an administrator. Because students need support academically, but many students also need support emotionally also. Ignoring that would be very could be very harmful to students. Absolutely, Evan. Um, and and if especially not not only if you see something, but very often a child will come to you looking for help, looking for support. And if you don't listen carefully and you don't support that child, and there are lots of ways you can refer them to a guidance counselor, you can listen to them, you can speak to the parents, you could have a meeting with all involved. It's the teacher's call. But when children get the nerve to say something to you, you know it's really having a very negative and harmful impact on them. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think I, to, to make it really simple, I guess the advice that I would give anyone who's in the classroom or, or an administrator is uh, don't forget what it felt like to be 12 years old. Um, it's not that easy. And um, kids need support. And uh, make sure that you're always doing the best you can to support children. Laura, you have one more to share with us? Okay. And my second one is don't ask students to do something without modeling. You know, and jokingly, I always tell teachers, if you want to get a tattoo, model is one of the best tattoos you can get. Because we have to show students, one, what our expectations are, how to do or complete a task or read a, a short story. We have to show them how we do it so that we build their mental model and give them a visual picture of how it's done. I would say that's true for students and adults because you, neither you nor I, Evan, could do something that we were totally unfamiliar with unless someone modeled and showed us how to work through the issue or the task. You know, it's a re really, really good point to bring up, Laura. You know, sometimes there people can be presumptive that students just magically know how to do things like study or take notes. They don't. They need to be taught how to do it. Um, some kids might naturally be better at organizing information. Some kids might be naturally better at, at memorizing, let's say, facts. But in general, students need to be taught how to do those things. And that is done through a modeling, a teaching opportunity.
absolutely. With without that modeling, the task will not be to the level that the teacher is hoping. The other thing is teachers who don't model, they teach by assignment or request. And that's not teaching. It's just giving st students a task, but there's nothing underpinning that task. There's no foundation that they're building. And we would say that's part of the, the, the factory model of education that, uh, that absolutely need, needs to change. And this is an interesting one that I want to share, Laura, because it, this, this can have to do with the changes that we're seeing in school as schools start talking about 21st century learning. Um, but as with anything, it needs to be balanced. So I want to talk a little bit about classrooms where students always work in partners. And I want to be careful here. I'm going to say sometimes I'm saying always. Um, students need both. They need opportunities to work in groups and to work with partners. They also need opportunities to work independently. Um, sometimes when collaborative opportunities are not orchestrated well, they can inadvertently bring, uh, bring about competition. They can bring about shunning. Um, and shunning is an example that if you have a couple kids that are very able to do the task in a group and one student who's simply not able to do it at this time, that student could certainly be shunned in that situation. They, they can also bring up relationship problems where one or two students feel like they are the only ones doing the work in the group, but everyone's making the same grade. Um, that can also cause conflict amongst children. So what I would advocate for is good purposeful, intentional, planned opportunities for students to work in partnership or students to work in groups, but also to have opportunities for students to, to work independently within Absolutely. your classroom. Absolutely. Our goal is independence in learning. But the other, going back to the partnerships and groups, it's the teacher's responsibility to negotiate with the pair or with the groups the jobs and the tasks that each one will have so that there is equity among what students have to do and that the students can complete the task successfully once, uh, once they accept it. Laura, thank you very much. We are, as we come to a close of the Rob Review podcast, I, I do want to tell you that I am accepting of the... Um, you know, I don't feel bad about the clothing that I wore in the early 1970s, all those plaids. And please know now that's why I wear everything in navy and gray. I understand that, Evan. <laughs> Thank you very much. This is Evan Robb for the Rob Review Podcast. When I'm joined, of course, today with Laura Robb. We thank you for listening to the Rob Review Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the Rob Review podcast. Check out our blogs at therobreviewblog.com and tell a friend. Thanks again, and see you next time.